Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. A somewhat accurate open for this morning. <laughs> Good morning. Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly one more Saturday. He is back next week on uh, making good progress. But as we say, we we count on the constant of Lauren Tate, who is here with us this morning. And we're glad you're with us as well, starting a little early, an hour early for Illinois basketball, which tips at 11 a.m. And we're in studio this morning, but the, it is a home game. It is a home game. So, uh we're doing things here in studio, and then we will make our way over to the State Farm Center, as will you if you are headed there for a sold-out game. And Illinois looking for its first Big Ten win, Mr. Tate. Well, yeah, they've got a, a Penn State team that you worry about because you know they're capable of beating you. This picket is really something with the numbers that he's put up in recent days. Uh, against Butler, he had 15, 10, and 11. That's points, assists, and rebounds. And then against Michigan State... 13 points, 17 rebounds, 17 by a guard, and eight assists. So this is something you, uh, you got to – he's a hard guy to guard because he's, he's not really big, and I would imagine that this will be, if they can, uh, while Illinois switches all over the place, when he's in the post and he does post up, uh, I could see uh, the Alani trying to work it around where Coleman Hawkins would be the guy guarding him because – you, if you help on him, he's just going to pass it out. He'll get an assist, and somebody will get an open three-point shot. Yeah, and Illinois definitely will have the height advantage in in this game, but uh, it, it's a little bit tricky in how you guard him, and they will uh, they'll be on your shirt the whole game. Well, this too. guy was all league. That's in the MAC three times at Siena. Here he is with his, uh, you know, with uh, Penn State now, and and. Uh, He's a ton, and of course they've got four double-figure scores on the team. He's one of them, and they got Seth Lundy, who's been there a long time, mm-hmm. and as a good rebounder, he's a six-six forward. And their first five players on their scoring list are all seniors. You don't get only, you don't get much older than that. I guess no. you could be a graduate senior, yeah. but. <laughs> but uh, and some of them are probably in their fifth year yeah, too. Maybe you had a team well, from as a medical a school. Fact, listen to this. Winter at Drexel was a four-time MVP on the team. Think about that. Now here he is playing for Penn State. Four-time MVP. That's unbelievable. Numbers along the way here for you to call, 217-356-9397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 217 351 
Uh, just an hour show, and then our pregame coverage begins at 9 a.m. But coming up, we'll talk to our friend Will Leach and uh, get his thoughts on the world of sports. And then at the bottom of the hour, David Jones writes for Penn Live, among other outlets in uh, central Pennsylvania. And we'll get a little bit from him on what's happening with the Penn State Nittany Lions. And uh, we do want to acknowledge as we uh, come on the show, it's a little bit of a heavier day uh, in both here locally and in the sports world abroad. Uh, no, Will Leach was a colleague and friend of Grant Wall, the soccer journalist and one-time basketball reporter who uh, died in Cotter in covering the World Cup uh, due to medical issues. So, uh, you know, our, our heart goes out to Will and to all those that are mourning that. And then here locally, of course, State Senator Scott Bennett died yesterday unexpectedly and uh, Mary Shank reporting that his wife says it was complications from a brain tumor and just an all-around good guy. And uh, he, he's going to be missed dearly, I know, by a lot of friends and family. And we've always appreciated him coming by this, the station for uh, whatever was needed. So uh, just remembering those folks here this morning. But uh, sports uh, today is big. some Big Ten games, Lauren, with Illinois and Penn State. And uh, uh, let's see, I think we got Indiana and Arizona today in a neutral site matchup out in Las Vegas, among some other games. Still trying to figure out how good Indiana really is, and we know they're good, but um, is this the favorite in the Big Ten or not? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Some people are seeing Illinois as that. I think obviously Purdue would be seen as I think obviously Purdue. Nobody's figured out how to stop the big guy yet. No, and he's got this touch right now. He's got that he's a ton but he's got a nice touch down in the post. From five feet. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So do I buy a Nerf hoop in the front hallway <laughs> of my house. <laughs> I guess it helps when you're... Have you ever watched him dunk? He he doesn't really jump. He just kind of hops. Okay. He just kind of does a little quick little uh, lift with his legs. Well, seven and he's right four, there. He's, he's a little hard to guard. He is. He is. But you know those big guys, they can't. I don't know, whatever. It must be, what a world to be in if you're uh, living with that. So so some of the things that are uh, going on this morning, by the way, if you are making your way to the game, we uh, want to remind you that the Salvation Army will have their kettles out in front of the State Farm Center. So if you want to bring some money to help out a good cause, it all stays right here in the community. Somebody stole a kettle. What? I just read in the paper. It's a story about a kettle being stolen. <laughs> well, I did overhear that, but it was somewhere not not here, right? Or was I it don't here? know where it was. I'm sorry. I just saw the headline. I was skipping through real quick, and I thought, why would you steal a kettle? Come on. Well, well yeah. There might have been money in it. Yeah, if you needed the right. money, go to the yeah. Salvation Army. They would have helped you out. <laughs> That's probably right. <laughs> if you're in that bad of shape, yeah. <laughs> All right, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Will Leach is up with us when we return on this Saturday morning. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Fella 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. 
PellaofChampagne.com. Join us for the bowl game, the ReliaQuest Bowl game, Illinois and Mississippi State on January 2, right here on DWS. We've got quite a bit of variety, and we know what's pretty good for us offensively. Um, you know, we, I think we've gotten to a point where we, we like our scenarios with certain guys in the game, um, what that looks like. And, um, um, you know, it, it may not always be the same guys doing it, but we know the scenarios that we're pretty comfortable with. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's Coleman triggering a lot, you know, great pass to find Jaden off, off, off a post up. It's Terrence. Uh, in certain situations, uh, more and more with Matt, uh, you know, it could be Sky, uh, it could be RJ, RJ, you know, big shots, and he's he's playing great. Uh, so you know, it's just it's just the the feel of the game, what the defense does, how they're guarding it, uh, and then I think that's why the Texas game was a little bit ugly. Is you know, the defenses were very very good on both sides. Brad Underwood talking about how he's figuring out rotations or has figured out rotations with a much more versatile team than he's had the last few years. Illinois today, number 17 in the country. Expect that number to go up, especially if if they continue with a win today over Penn State after beating Texas on Tuesday night. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are joined as we are once a month, more or less, with our friend, colleague, and area native, Will Leach. Good morning, Will. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me as always, guys. Yeah, we always appreciate it. And uh, Scott filling in here for Steve. Pleasure to have you. And where's life have you today? I'm back. I was actually in New York last week. I was in New York. I was actually at the game of the Garden. I had some work to do in town. Yes, it is a total coincidence that my my work trip happened to co- coincide with <laughs> Illinois playing at the Garden. I don't know how that possibly happened, uh, but it. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I just got back from New York yesterday. It was. Uh, uh, I always get some work out there. It was a pretty exciting game to be there on Tuesday. For sure. Hey, before we go further, just want to extend condolences and sympathies to you on the loss of your friend and colleague Grant Wall. Uh, I know a lot of the sports world and the soccer world is is mourning that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm actually writing about that this morning. Uh, it's, uh, obviously, it's uh, I knew Grant very well. I, uh, he was uh, he was a uh, uh, I worked with him a lot. Even back, he was one of the first people to reach out to me when I started Deadspin back in 2005. We worked together at Sports Illustrated. We have been uh, guests together on various shows and uh, and shared many dinners together. It's uh, it's pretty shocking this morning. There's no question about that. Yeah, I'm sure your heart is heavy. So we send our best to you. What was the the factor, uh, Will, in Grant moving from basketball, I believe, and uh, into soccer? That seemed like a a pretty strong, uh, you know, unusual move, shall we say. Yeah, it was funny. He actually, soccer was the thing that he fell in love with at Princeton. He actually, uh, he, uh, he was originally from Kansas, from Mission, Kansas, and he uh, went to college at Princeton, and that's when he actually covered Bob Bradley, who would later coach the U.S. team. So he, uh, he actually, he fell in love with it there. He went into basketball because there was more of a college basketball market at Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated than there was at soccer. But as soon as he got the opportunity, you know, he always wrote about soccer on the side. It was really what he obviously had the most passion for. So uh, uh, he was a good college basketball reporter. I think that gets forgotten a little bit about how good of a college basketball reporter he was. Obviously, he wrote the, famously wrote the, the first cover story uh, on LeBron James. But, uh, yeah, soccer was always his passion, you know, and particularly U.S. soccer. You know, I think that, I think that uh, that's something that he – you know, it's, it's hard – 
to cover something that you have such a passion for, particularly because was good. Uh, Grant was such a good reporter. He was always pointing out. I mean, listen, the fact that the, <laughs> the World Cup was in Qatar and uh, kind of the corruption that kind of led to that, and some of the human rights abuses going on there. He didn't shy away from that at all. But they also did not stop his enthusiasm for the sport. So, yeah, that that was where the transition happened. Was I, it was really the transition was really he he took a brief break. Uh, he, he basically had to cover college basketball really well to persuade them to let him cover soccer, <laughs> and uh, he did a really he, obviously he did a really great job, a really great job at both. And just yeah. a, just a legitimately like good-hearted guy, you know. We uh, I, I I know people always say that, and I think for good reason when when people pass, but like Grant was. Uh, I, I don't actually have a lot of friends. Really, just you, uh, you Lauren, and Grant, and a few other people. That not a lot of sports writers are my friends. I don't have a lot of sports writer friends. And uh, <laughs> and Grant, Grant is a because they're usually listen. You know, you know, Lauren. They're not always uh, the most positive, happy people. Yeah. I, was <laughs> I was just gonna say. <laughs> well, that's so probably Grant, a good. That's, that's that, probably a good thing, Will. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's why it was so impressive that Grant was able to remain such like a good. Hearted, like just the most optimistic, smiling guy. Even though he would cover some really, truly terrible things, and uh, uh, yeah, obviously it's a pretty rough morning. Well, back to basketball. What did you think of the Illini and and at uh, Madison Square Garden? It was, you know, it, it, I'm trying to 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 forget how I felt with like four minutes left. Which was, <laughs> okay, well, you know, <laughs> they, they they're having trouble closing these out. Because, listen, for a while, really, I, listen, I didn't think Illinois played bad uh, on Tuesday until they made that comeback late. But it did look like Texas, I would say, was they, – they, they were the better team on Tuesday for most of that game. And I think a lot of that – and, in fact, I found myself for a while going, like, wow, I can't believe they're only down by six with Shannon only having four points and how much, and how much Clark is kind of struggling. But to me, that, that's the thing that – I think that's the feature, not a bug, of this Illinois team. The thing that I think that makes them good – is if Shannon doesn't have a good game or Clark doesn't have a good game, here's Epps stepping up or Mayer has the has the game that he has. For the record, I was sitting next. I was in the I was not in the press box. I was sitting in the stands. I was sitting next to a Texas fan who has had just about enough Matthew Mayer for his life because <laughs> 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 they've been dealing with him forever. And he's, he's of course he's from Austin. And he, and he was just like, how's mayor for you guys? I was like, actually, he's been kind of struggling a little bit. He's like, he won't tonight. <laughs> and he didn't. He was definitely ready for that game. And I think that's what's so kind of fun and exciting about this team is you have a you have a game where, again, Shannon is off and things aren't really working and Epps gets hot late and they make big plays late. And Hawkins is that kind of consistent defensive presence who I think should perhaps be more careful about calling timeouts in the middle of plays from now on. I will grant oh that. Uh, but certainly, uh, was a terrific. Like, there's it comes at you from all angles, and then you get to overtime, and then Shannon gets it back, and then you can kind of take care of it from there. That is the thing that's truly exciting about this team is they've got these two big wins, and I still kind of feel like they haven't quite figured out what they are yet, <laughs> which is really kind of exciting, right? The idea that like you know there's still guys figuring out their roles. Danger kind of struggled on Tuesday. Like you think about how many Illini, I actually don't think played that well and they had some trouble and I think Texas had a lot to do with that not I really didn't feel like it was like like I thought for example the UCLA game that second half they just looked I thought that was one of the best Illinois teams I've seen in a long time I thought they were just pretty good on Tuesday and they beat the number two team in the country (laughs) it's one of those talented teams that I think is what's so exciting about this is there's still kind of a work in progress and playing like this Uh, it's a it's an exciting thing to see. Will Leach is with us here on the Saturday Sports Talk. I want to uh, switch you to baseball, Will, and I- I'm as the one 
Cub fan here amongst you and and Lauren. How wonderful for you to get Wilson Contreras with the Cardinals. Um, just I'm Listen, just so happy for you. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying we're, we're taking fans too. Like we're taking fans too. You know, you we'll take your catcher. You can come to us. It's okay. You're cheaper than Contreras, so just come on over. We'll have you. We'll have you. My question is this. Uh, the, the the number of big contracts that are getting signed or put together this week, but still some more to come. All right, besides the obvious, is that you know players are going to want to make the most money they can, and what else are you going to do if you're an owner? But no, really, the there was some wondering about would the free agency market turn towards shorter, higher value, a- average value contracts rather than these big long ones. And so far, the answer is it won't. Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I think it's, I mean, this is really the first normal baseball offseason we've had since 2000, before the 2019 season, right? So, like, there's, like, there's a new labor deal. Like, there's, there's a lot of more cost certainty among teams. But I would argue the larger reason for this is there's a reason they, like, I put this, it's a very strange thing, but, like, a lot of teams have basically decided, okay, um, we are willing to, go long if it means a lower average annual value. A lot of that's because of the luxury tax, for example. Like, those tax penalties for teams that go over the luxury tax are quite severe, actually. <laughs> like they, by, by the, if you are over the luxury tax, like four, luxury tax like four straight years, by that fourth year, every dollar costs you $2, that basically, at that point. That's, that's a, it's meant to be a punitive tax. So what they're trying to do is they're saying, we want to give you this money. We have this money to give to you, but please spread it out for over this long time. So uh, you look at that Trey Turner contract and you're like, wow, $300 million, that's amazing. But it's spread out so far that the average annual value is almost like two-thirds of what Justin Verlander is going to make this year. <laughs> like, I think for, for the, to get those guys that are younger and can sign for a long time, I think you're seeing, obviously, you're seeing those high-value contracts with those pitchers. I think that's the telling thing on this, right? That's the thing about baseball. Uh, you, hitting, hitters are, like, some hitters may fall off. Aaron Judge I think is someone I would actually worry about falling off in three or four years just because of his size. But, like, generally speaking, hitters age better than pitchers do because there are rare exceptions. But even a guy like Verlander or DeGrom, I look at that DeGrom contract, that seems like a huge risk for a guy that really has, can, has, can only throw, like, 80 pitches before snapping. Pitchers are unpredictable. You don't know when they're going to get hurt. You can't send, sign them to 10-year deals. Hitters, you can sign them, know you're going to have something out of them. If you can sign them for a long deal and keep that average annual value low or as low as you can, it won't put you into the tax that will allow you to go after guys. Look at the Phillies. The Phillies have so many big contracts right now. The Phillies, the Phillies are almost on the vanguard of this. Bryce Harper was the first person to do this. You just you get a huge contract, but you spread out as long as you can. So when you do that, it doesn't cost you on a year-to-year basis. It's actually it will probably hurt them at the end of that contract. But like I don't know where you know I, I don't know where I'm going to be in 2032. <laughs> I, I think a lot of these guys are not really sweating that too much. Uh, so I think uh, I think that's that, that's the kind of the new trend in this. There's enough money in baseball that they want to be able to give that money, but they don't want to go over the tax. So I think that's why you're seeing these long deals. And and just the opposite of that is Bellinger, who had a terrible year this year, traded to the Cubs and went to the Cubs. That is, and they signed him to a one-year contract, and he's thinking. I don't want to have a long-term contract based on what I just produced because I wouldn't be making my. He's gambling on himself uh, this this coming year and hopes to have a big year so that then he can sign a long-term contract. Yeah, that's kind of what Carlos Correa did last year with the Twins, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, and his was less because uh, of him coming off a bad year. 
and more heads agents, Scott Boris, of course, correctly guessing that people were going to want to spend more money this offseason than they did last offseason. So I think that was a very smart play by him, and I think that's right. Listen, I actually feel like that's a smart – I, I know there hasn't been a lot to be encouraged by for Cubs fans lately, and I really do truly feel terrible about that. <laughs> uh, but I would say that if you are a Cubs fan, the fact that they are willing to make a one-year bet on someone is a sign that, like, Maybe there, maybe there's going to be some uh, more attempts to improve the on-field product in the short term rather than just the long term. And I think Bellinger's a risk. I think he's probably a risk worth taking. I know he's he, he you know he's still an excellent defensive player. He's still an excellent base runner. Uh, he still actually just gets on base with a decent value. He just has not. He's just lost a lot of his power. They think it's that shoulder. Remember, his shoulder injury happened for celebrating a home run in the World Series. So, so, uh, so keep that in mind anytime. Don't get too excited and let your, let your, let your teammates bash you in the shoulder after you hit a home run because he's not been right since then. I think that's kind of a smart deal for them. I think that someone, someone was going to get Bellinger. Like, that's not very much money for Cody Bellinger. And if it turns out, yep, he's not the player he was. He's never going to get back. One year is not going to kill you. So I, I think that's a good that's a good deal for them. It's just going to be frustrating if Bellinger does have a big year. He will be gone after one year and get a lot more expensive. So I think but if I'm a Cubs fan, I think that's an encouraging thing to see them want to try to make that make a deal uh, a one year deal like that. Well, you uh, one of the unusual guys we have as a guest because we can just take you almost anywhere, and I'd be interested in in what your reaction is to the bowls as they come up the the bowl games in the fact that so many people, so many players, are uh, opting out. And we don't, at this point, really know what's going to happen with Illinois, but other schools like Iowa and Louisville and Cincinnati and some some of them don't have coaches, some of them don't have players, I mean... Now, hang on, Lauren. Will yeah. lives in Athens, Georgia, where he, he may not be familiar with this trend of players <laughs> opting out of bowl games because there they play for playoff. For well, Georgia, yeah, well, that's right. If you're at Georgia, you're not opting out. You're playing for the I don't know. If, if Ohio State, you might be. Jingra's yeah. uh, out there. He's, he's had injuries. But, you know, I think actually he's a, indicative of this, right? This has always been the fear among coaches is, if players would opt out of really big games, right? Like, it's one thing to opt out. I, I'm, listen, I'm super excited about the Relia Quest Bowl. I cannot wait. It's so exciting. I can't, I already, I even have bought a t-shirt for that game. Like, I'm super excited to watch Illinois in a bowl game. But it's not, you know, it's not a national championship game. And at a certain level, you can understand. I find it difficult to argue with the idea that, like, players are, are so close to being able to get drafted right now. The idea that have, have one game that, like, if, like injuries can happen for no reason out of nowhere. The idea of having this extra game where it is, I mean, listen, it's exciting. and I love the bowl game. It is still an exhibition game. If Illinois loses to Mississippi state, I will not feel as if there is something wrong with the Illinois program. And if they win, I will not feel like, all right, national title. Is it's an exhibition game. There's a lot of variables. I think if we treat it that way, the people that watch the game, it's perfectly reasonable for a, for a player to, to feel the exact same way. It's the idea that, like, like it, the, the, the national championship game may be a culmination of a season. A bowl game is a reward. And it is a reward that is a deserved reward. It's a reward for the fans. It's a reward for the players, reward for the coaches. But, like, at a certain level, if you I, – I find it difficult not – I find it difficult to blame any player for wanting for at this point being so close. The draft is in like five months. <laughs> like the, the, the circuit's going to be happening really, really soon. The idea of uh, if you hurt yourself, you might not be ready for the draft. It could cost you for the rest of your life. So I do understand the idea. 
at a certain level, I will be excited to see the uniforms. <laughs> I'm excited to see to see them doing it. The, mm-hmm. Listen, teams and and schools treat these like tel- like what they are television inventory. <laughs> That's what they are. There's something for us all to watch over the holidays. I understand it, but uh, I'll enjoy watching it. I think you make a good point. You'll still be excited for the uniform because that's that's the big driver in, in all this, exactly. the, the, the allegiance people have to it all. All right, uh, Will, before we let you go, you're you're an author now of two different novels in addition to your other books you've written, uh, both How Lucky and The Time Has Come. I'm just wondering if, with the holidays here, would you say either one of those novels would make an excellent gift for somebody <laughs> in your life? Oh. Oh my goodness! Well, I'm so what an interesting question to ask. How, <laughs> how, I, I respectfully agree with the premise of this question. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, now, now the, my book, The Time Has Come, comes out in May. So you won't. Oh. So that one will not get here in time for the holidays. But how lucky! Absolutely, will get there for the holidays. It's endorsed by Stephen King. It, t- it takes place in both Athens and Champagne. So there's a local tie to it. It's a hopefully fun uh, sort of mystery, but also kind of a kind of a fun, funny, sad story. So how lucky is the book? I uh, I thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, in your in, in uh, like totally objectively, yes, like just a total accident. You would ask me about this, but hey, if you insist. Uh, how lucky is available at bookstores and uh, wherever books are sold. Hey, that's what I do as a journalist. I just ask objective <laughs> <Of> questions. Course, <laughs> that's what I do as a journalist too. Is sell my product. That's what we're famous <laughs> for doing. A journalist is selling our products. Uh, all right. Well, uh, treat for me to get to talk with you, and uh, do wish you best here across the holidays. And uh, we'll be talking again soon. Thanks, Will. Of course. Happy holidays, guys. Be safe. Yeah, likewise. That's Will Leach. Uh, forgive me, because, yes, the time has come. Is, it doesn't have its time yet. It's coming out in, in the spring. But how lucky is an absorbing thriller with heart, according to one critic, at least. All right, we'll switch to Illinois basketball's opponent of the day, the Penn State Nittany Lions, and join up with David Jones from Penn Live after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly, along with Lauren Tate, of course, an early program. Nine o'clock is game day coverage for Illinois and Penn State. The Nittany Lions are here in Champaign for the game at the State Farm Center. Covering the Nittany Lions for PennLive.com and the Harrisburg Patriot News is David Jones, who joins us on the line. Good morning, David. How you doing, Scott? Hey, doing great, sir. Thank you for making some time for us. And uh, hope all is well in in your world. You do cover uh, the basketball beat. Are you on the football beat too? You might say for uh, thirty two years. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we're, we've got basketball on the mind, but for actually for both of these schools right now, both sports are on the mind this time of year, and that's not always been the case for Illinois. 
but it is this year, and I know Penn State has uh, get, uh, had a, had an admirable season. Maybe not entirely what you wanted, but an admirable one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say they're on the mind anywhere near uh, the football program among Penn State fans. That's never been true, Scott, and uh, it is not now. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is an overestimation of the Penn State uh, fan attention. Yes. What I mean, ultimately, success helps that. But is there any other factors you think? Does, no, just... it doesn't even help. It doesn't even help it here. Um, I would guess you'd compare this. There, I've always compared them as the kind of the reverse doppelganger to Indiana, um, in that they're always waiting for basketball season to start in Bloomington and are ready to jump off the ship for football, no matter what. And that's the way it is in reverse here. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Covered this program for 32 years. They want to close down the arena uh, in the middle of an NCA push in 2011 so that Bon Jovi could practice in the arena for a week. <laughs> the basketball team had to practice in a gym that was an intramural gym that was set up with volleyball nets, and they had to run around volleyball stanchions that were in the floor. Oh my goodness! But uh, one, of the, one of the baskets was crooked. I mean, <laughs> literally, you could see that it was crooked. That's how bad it is. So, no. <laughs> I'm just telling well, you the truth. well, tell us how the football team is approaching the bowl game and whether you're going to have all your players, uh, David. Uh, Joey Porter is not going to play. Lauren, hi, Lauren. How are yeah, you? Good morning. Let's good to have you up Scott so early. This is going to get you started on the day quicker. <laughs> What'd you say? I say this is going to have you started on the day quicker than normal. No, I'm going right back to bed after this is over. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, I, <laughs> I told you. Um, yeah, we're going to have to teach this guy a little, a little about Penn State basketball history, okay? <laughs> well, we, we've seen... Well, there, there was no history that well, I was, was aware a, of. There was a time when there you, you covered some of the seats in no the gym, more, right? No more collars. I think he's got it right. <laughs> Didn't you have some of the seats covered at one time? Uh, yeah, Wednesday night. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they were talking about how, how what a great crowd it was. The place holds 15,261. The entire upper bowl was covered by a black sheet. Black sheets. Hmm. You, you could not see the seats because they don't use the seats. They almost never use the seats, which accounts for, I don't know, about roughly half of all the seats in the place. One time, not too long ago, a few years ago, they sold out all the lower bowl seats, and the people who run the arena just shut up shop and said, okay, that's all the tickets we got. <laughs> and they would not open up the curtains Is that right? in the upper bowl. And, and turned away hundreds of fans who wanted to get in. Well. You want any more stories? <laughs> no, I, tell, what I, want, I want you to tell us about, a little bit about this team because you've got a lot of fifth-year guys. You've got Pickett and you've got Winter and you've got Lundy coming his, for his fourth year and you've got Funk from Bucknell. I mean, you've got some transfers. How good is this team and how good a coach do you have in Shrewsbury? Um, I lo- the, the coach is terrific and – Heck, you you guys know about him because he was just, uh, what, 90 miles away at Purdue for quite a while, two different stints. His name is Micah Shrewsbury. 
and he was under Matt Painter um, for for two different stints. He was uh, un, un, he was number two guy at the Celtics for six years under Brad Stevens. Uh, he really knows what he's doing, and until uh, Wednesday night, I really liked this team. I thought they were playing very, very well, and they got Tom Izzo'd on Wednesday night. <laughs> 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 and and uh, Mike is a young coach, and he's going to learn, but uh, he didn't really have a plan B or C after Izzo. You know Izzo, he takes away what you love to do, and you're not going to do what you like to do. He's like uh, Bill Belichick that way. He's going to He's going to take away your comfort food and make you eat your Brussels sprouts. And if you don't like them and eat them, then you're going to lose. And that's what happened. I mean, the best thing they do is Jalen Pickett is a terrific player. He's a big guard, 6'4", 210. And they love to post him up and back down smaller guards. I don't think they can do it to Sky Clark. What, what kind of defender do you – you know, I'm not going to pretend I've seen Illinois as much – as you guys have. So what kind of defender is Sky Clark as a freshman? Well, the answer is that he's a good defender, but the other answer is that Illinois switches on everything, so who knows who's going to be guarding anyone after the first pass. I okay. mean, Illinois switches all five positions unless they have Danger in the game, and Danger's probably going to play a lot in the middle portion of the game, but he's not in there at the beginning, and he might not be there at the end. Well, who knows? Uh, they might end up with Terrence Shannon on him yep. instead or somebody like that. Anyway, um, they were an interesting team, but they were dependent on the three-point goal. Mm-hmm. And they went cold. They're two, two wing bombers. Miles Dredd, who's had an uh, injured index finger on his right hand on his shooting hand. And Andrew Funk, who's a transfer out of Bucknell, who has been shooting really well both uh, did not really produce against Michigan State. Um, Penn State led most of the game, and then Michigan State kind of ground it down and, and got a good game out of their guards. Uh, A.J. Hoggard played probably his best game of the year. He was a local kid from right, you know, 20 minutes from my house in Coatesville. Really? And sub- uh, just outside of the Philly suburbs, and they won. They won by nine. They won going away, won conclusively. So that was a real... Um, mark on Penn State's resume. They were, uh, you know, number 33 on Ken Palm until that game because they had a very good non-con schedule, and they'd only lost two games in the final second to a couple of ACC teams, and yeah, they were looking good, but that, that's not a good result, and I'm not really sure at all that they're ready for Illinois. Put it this way, Illinois won the transfer portal mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to Penn State with Matthew Mayer and Terrence Shannon. They, uh, Terrence Shannon looks like a different player than I remember. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, and, he's, you know, he's kind he had of a, a horrible t- game, most of the game against Texas, and then wins it for him in overtime. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. just been terrific all year. Yeah, he's, he's very aggressive. I think he's more aggressive than he was before. And, and of course, he had those 29 and 30-point games early, and and uh, he's, he's taken it from there, although everybody's going to try to – he's going to be the number one guy you want to try to stop if you're, as you're setting up the defense. I'm sure Shrewsbury will be emphasizing him, and, and that makes it a little tougher. I noticed that uh, three of the players on the starting lineup are shooting over 45%. That 45% is really good on three-point shots, and they're averaging almost 12 threes per game. 
So it's yeah, pretty obvious what Illinois has to defend. They have to defend Pickett inside and the other guys on the on the wings. Not only that, but they were hoping for more at this point out of their young prodigy, his six ten, who's going to have to guard Coleman Hawkins at least at the beginning, named uh, Kevin Jai, and uh, he really hasn't given much of anything and. Shrewsbury's trying to stick with him, but he was a non-factor against Michigan State. Uh, missed three different layups or dunks um, early, and just looked timid. And you're not going to—you don't want to be timid against Coleman Hawkins the way, the way he's playing. So that's probably where any chance Penn State has must begin. Uh, contrary to what they love to do, they're going to, you know, it's the same story. Once coaches learn what you don't like to do, they're going to make you do it. And I'm sure that's going to be the answer uh, for Illinois. They're going to, they're going to force feed Coleman Hawkins and see if Penske State can stop him because right now the, the inside game has been their liability. That's been their kryptonite. David, if I could switch you right back to football here with the Rose Bowl game, I believe if I, if I'm getting all this right with the, all the changes that are going on, this is the last Rose Bowl game as we know it with scheduled Big Ten versus Pac-12, and the Nittany Lions get to be in it against Utah. Maybe not the most traditional teams when you first think about the Big Ten going way back, but uh, how do you see this Rose Bowl game? I feel awful about the whole thing. Um, I grew up in the Big Ten. Lauren knows I'm an Ohio State graduate. My brother-in-law is uh, an assistant at Michigan, has been for many years under five different head coaches, uh, pretty, pretty much crafted the game plan that they used against Ohio State to beat them. Um, my, my wife is from Michigan. My uh, father-in-law is from Michigan State. My nephew played quarterback for Maryland just a couple of years ago. I, I've got a Big Ten background, even if it's not a traditional Big Ten background, uh, but but a real Big Ten background back to when I was a little kid. And when I remember the Rose Bowl, I remember it the way you guys remember it, where it was a really special reward and an exotic destination. And you you were just so excited about going there if your team made the Rose Bowl. Even if you weren't going, at least, to, you know, watching it with Kurt Gowdy and the color and the... the it was the, It was the most special game football game of the year especially until the Super Bowl came around with the NFL uh, but when your team made the Rose Bowl man that was a big big deal now since this USC UCLA thing which I hate I love the Pac-12 I wish they would have stayed intact uh, I guess UCLA is coming up with a decision by their trustees here in about a week about whether they're actually going to go, which I guess is 95% done, but they've had a stink about that. I cannot see UCLA backing out at this point. The money's too good. But that's the thing, guys. Money rules everything in this sport anymore, and I just think USC and UCLA being in the Big Ten is absurd. It's, it's going to ruin the Rose Bowl more than anything else, and I, 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 I'm not I'm not a caveman. I understand why the playoff. I like the playoff, but I, I love the expanded playoff. Uh, I just wish this USC UCLA thing had never happened uh, because it's going to ruin the Rose Bowl. It just is. You you can't you can't construe it any other way. 
uh, San Diego State's in the back 12. That's, that's not doing it, man. Um, the game has been ruined to me also because there's so many layers above it now. And we're talking about a third, a third best team in the Big Ten going to the Rose Bowl. When, if you told somebody 25, 30 years ago that that was going to happen, would they have believed it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I guess it's, I guess it's a little bit like, like, uh, the 05 Illini going out there, the 06 Illini with, uh, with that team because they weren't, weren't really the best team in the league, but they got to go because Ohio State couldn't. But still, you know, that was a reward and it was an exciting thing. And I just think it's, it's, it's kind of ludicrous now. Oh, and David, really, one, really too bad. It was a great, great, great place to go. David, one thing you haven't mentioned here is the fact that while Ohio State did get in the 14 playoff uh, when USC lost, Ohio State was was in line to go to the Rose Bowl, but may not have gone anyway yeah. because the people of the Rose Bowl were upset about the way they took uh, last year's. Uh, they were disappointed, you know, having lost to Michigan a year ago and were invited to the Rose Bowl and didn't act like they wanted it. Yeah, I did forget that. How could I forget that part? <laughs> and this year, opted out of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Can you have imagined a world... Lauren, where a team, a school opts out of the Rose Bowl or when the Rose Bowl is so disgusted with a school that they act like spoiled brats that they don't want to be there that something like that would happen. Could you imagine that when we were younger? Well, yeah. I mean, what's, what is it? You know, Michigan famously went for the tie to make sure that they would go to the Rose Bowl instead of uh, maybe going for a na- yeah. Yeah, yeah. instead yeah. of a Years national ago, championship. Right. So uh, uh, because the Rose Bowl was the thing, so things have changed it, for it, sure. It, it became Bo Schembechler's most, and that's a bitter guy, right? He was bitter about a lot of things. <laughs> 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 that was his, the most bitter he's ever been in his life, and he took that to his grave about that snub. That's how much he wanted that Rose Bowl trip for his guys. Well, David, we appreciate you joining us this morning. We'll let you go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go to sleep now. You guys woke me up. Uh, well, you got a big game coming up here in a couple of hours. And I, uh, yeah, sounds like there'll be a lot of interest that. in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I mean, I could write the... I could write the encyclopedia of Penn State basketball, but I don't know who would buy it. That's the problem. <laughs> for David, the love great of the game, to man. talk to you again. I'll be in touch. See you, Lauren. All, All right. right. Thanks a lot. That's David Jones, PennLive.com, and you can follow him on Twitter as well uh, at uh, D Jones Hoop. Back with uh, – we got a little bit of time for open line. If you got calls, texts, uh, whatever you want here on Alina Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and then game day starts at 9 a.m. Hey, it's Colin Likas from the News Gazette. Monday night, we take an in-depth look at area high school hoops. It's Prep Basketball Confidential, right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Finals week for Illinois students. So today, this game, and then a week off until next Saturday when they play Alabama A&T, and then after that, you get bragging rights. So this closes down a four-game stretch of power opponents for Illinois basketball before that, um, before you get Alabama A&T, and then it's bragging rights, and then there's Bethune-Cookman in there, and I think back to Big Ten play. So 
You want to go out with a W on this one if you're Illinois. Absolutely. you got to get back to 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten. You don't want to fall back 0-2. But uh, we, get, we do consider the Syracuse game a big game, and yet Illinois won that quite handily. But then about the time I was just – you know, discounting Syracuse, they turned around and beat Notre Dame in a big upset. So, you know, this game is uh, it, it's so dependent on three-point shooting. It is so dependent on that. And we, Illinois goes into a game today where the other team is going to throw up a lot of threes. And as I said, they've been making nearly 12 a game. Illinois is making 10 a game, so that's not that far off. But you just know that the three-point shot is going to be a huge factor. Will either team do what Grinnell College did oh, yesterday? Man. Every single shot? No. <laughs> 111 three-point attempts, and they won the game 124-67. to 67. They did make a few free throws, but they never attempted a two-point field goal. How do you get that many shots? I guess you get that many shots by just coming down and shooting as soon as you get there. Yep. And, then, and the fly and rebounds, you probably get some of those because if you shoot a lot of and everybody goes for the ball, you know the ball's going to fly everywhere when it misses. Long shot, long rebound. Yeah. That's the adage, right? Yeah. Uh, they were 40 of 111 and whatever that is, less than 40%. But they shot better than half in the second half. Well, 40 of 120 would be one-third. So yeah, a little bit more than yeah. So they shot better than that. That's pretty decent. That's a, a standard yeah, good clip. That's probably in the thirty-five, thirty-six percent somewhere up in there. Yep. They broke a record that was one hundred and nine three-point attempts by Troy, which did that in nineteen ninety-two. The interesting thing to me is that the coach would allow them to do that. This is this is okay. Let's just go out and throw it up. Not only do they allow it, I mean how- that's his whole thing do you have to coach to do that i mean could <laughs> you just take somebody off the street and say hey guys just go out and shoot threes all night <laughs> now guys let's go back to our drill remember the line drill stand behind that line to shoot don't, that's don't anybody go inside that. <laughs> that's the whole drill <laughs> where's my check to the phones alan is with us good morning alan well guys uh scott long was you a little bit surprised at uh Brom left uh, oh. to go to... Oh, no, I, I had... Honest to goodness, I had heard that two months before. I heard well. he's very unhappy there and was... Hap- was go- I, 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 You know, at the Big Ten basketball meetings, that's where I heard that. And that's a long... I mean, I just... I was the least guy surprised in the world because I had heard from Purdue people in Minneapolis that he was probably going to look to leave. So the Louisville thing, you saw how long it took him, a day? <laughs> yeah, not very long. Yeah. But to uh, me, I wouldn't have been surprised that he took the job if I knew he was happy at Purdue. That's just home for him. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so I don't know that all I'm saying is maybe it maybe it expedited it a little bit that he wasn't very happy at Purdue, if, if so, but he... Some people connected with Brom have indicated they think, now this is their thinking, and that, that Purdue is the toughest uh, football job in the Big Ten, and which I would say, well, what about Indiana? Because Indiana was in the Eastern Division, but yeah. th- that's going to all change after next year, so that's not going to matter anymore. But Indiana had to be the toughest, but 
Purdue was tough as I, I don't know if they were completely satisfied with their NIL development. And I, I just think they felt like they were being outbid by some teams for players. And uh, I, I just think that, no, I, I, I thought that Brom would go if he got the chance. And I think he regretted. I think the timing just wasn't right for him to go six years ago when Dan Dockich, among other people, predicted that he was going to go, you know. By the way, well, Dan Dockich. Do, Dan Dockich is not going to do that. What's he's not going to do that good at NIL and uh, Louisville either, is he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Louisville will come up with money. And football? I, I bet they do. I bet they do for him. Maybe still in basketball, but not football. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I'm talking about something I don't really know about, but I want to mention that Dan Dockage has been relieved of his job in Indianapolis this week. Did you hear that? I saw that. Yeah. Uh, he's, I thought he lost that job a year ago. I think he well, got suspended a year ago or so. Yeah, he's been ago. suspended oh, okay. before, but he this is this is he's done there now. And it's a big controversy, by the way, a huge controversy in Indianapolis. A lot of people like him, and a lot of people don't like him. I can believe that. Thanks, Alan. Be, yeah, thank you. All right. Yeah, I mean, I look. There wasn't an act for Dan Dockage on the radio. He he spoke his mind, and. I don't really come on here and act. I don't think you do either. It's just there's certain flavors, and you got to be careful when you if you're not going to hold back on anything you think or say. He he's very very controversial, but I liked I liked him better than some people in doing color on on college, on television basketball. I liked him better than many. That's me. I just liked him. I thought he was. I thought he got to the the issues very well. He's uh, Io DeSumo's favorite analyst. What do you do with there? Oh, remember the, the, the this won't end well for Illinois. Oh, right, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that he knocked it down almost mm-hmm. in his face a little bit. Yeah, they they would they had good chuckles over it. Well, he put himself out on a limb more than once. Oh yeah. And Greg Doyle, who's the sports uh, columnist for the Indianapolis Star, was friends with him at one time, but they didn't end up that way. All right, sir. Uh, time to take a stretch break. Okay. And we'll come right back at the top of the hour with a line on game day. Illinois and Penn State coming up. They'll tip at 11. Thanks to Dave Leak working behind the scenes. Thanks to our guests, Will Leach and David Jones. Scott Beatty filling in for Steve Kelly. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store. Easy to find 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign or visit them online pellaofchampagne.com. 